incredible, really, really bad childish, you know. I couldn't look anyone in the eye, you know, or talk to people, really. So um, to get up on stage was a huge, huge challenge. And I used to be nearly getting sick, you know. I'd be sleepless nights before shows. And um, I messed up a lot of performances, so I was that nervous, you know. Um, I was shaking, like physically shaking. When I supported uh, Christy Moore in the Point Depot, I was going to walk out in front of a, a car, you know, on the way there. Just so we could ring him from the hospital, you know, and say, Christy, yeah, uh, broken leg here, pal, won't be able to make it, you know. So that's crossed me mind, that's how nervous it was, and I just had to. It was torture, real, real torture. Hello there, and welcome to this very special episode of An Irish Man Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. My chosen charity partner for this podcast and all our podcasts is Jigsaw.ie, an incredible Irish mental health charity attempting to equip young people across Ireland with the mental health skills they'll need, the tools required to survive in life. Well, it's quite fitting that we're covering the documentary that we are today. Love Yourself Today is a new documentary centred around Damien Dempsey, his now legendary annual Christmas shows in Vicker Street, and three of the fans that regularly attend, Packy, Nadia and Jonathan, who have each in their own way suffered through massive trauma in their lives and come out the other side now able to tell their stories in the context of these shows and, of course, the music of Damien Dempsey. Part concert film, part life-affirming mosaic, Love Yourself Today is one of the most powerful Irish films of the last 10 years. And I say that without any reservation. What Ross Colleen has carved here from this live footage and these just like jaw-dropping interviews with all three individuals and of course Damo himself is, you know, it's award-winning stuff and no doubt that's going to happen. Uh, I got to sit down last week uh, to talk to Damo about this unique place, these shows and the special place that the shows hold in the hearts and minds of those that attend every single year, his own battles with social anxiety and the truly awful incident that nearly cost him his voice. Love Yourself Today is in cinemas from November 5th and I urge you to go and see it. But first, have a listen to this. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Damien Dempsey, it's brilliant to have you back on Irishman Abroad, particularly at this moment in time. And I'm not talking about having been for a walk with the dogs and having fallen yeah. <laughs> while you're out there. Is that what happened? You fell <laughs> covered fell, in mud. Uh, he has these two uh, horses. They're more like uh, horses than dogs. They're mastiffs. So um, 
and uh, they're strong as they, if, if they see something if they see a squirrel they're gone <laughs> I've met these dogs they they are horses you're right they're like uh, they're like those Budweiser horses in dog form <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah oh, they're just uh, uh, lovely lovely animals but uh, very strong so they, they, they took me for a bit of a slide in the mud <laughs> so yeah uh, <laughs> It's nice, nice getting back. Nice getting back to nature. No, literally getting back, back to nature. Like. <laughs> literally being dragged through it. <laughs> I mean, it does feel like a long, long time ago. I was sitting down there at John Reynolds's house, and you and I chatting and chopping it up. But I equally yeah. felt the same way when I pressed play on this and got yeah. to see the documentary at the very beginning. I'm sure you've had other people say this that it just felt like another world watching people sweating and jumping up and down on each other. You've obviously seen it so many times, but when did it occur to you over the course of getting it from idea to creation to the finished place where you're now touring around with it, that the significance of people being together in that way started to reveal a new part to this thing? I mean, it's it's all Ross Killeen and his team. You know, Louise Bourne and really Jarrett, um, you know, and Nary and Van Maal. And, um, I done the gigs, you know, and I just did what I do with the shows. I just, you know, hmm. they were just not normal figure three shows for me. And um, he had a guy, he had uh, uh, three people, but there was another guy who pulled out. You know, he had Nadia, Paggy, Jonathan. He had four people, sorry. Another guy, but the other guy pulled out. He, t- he thought, I'm saying too much personal stuff here. Um, he was just trying to get his life back on track and he thought if he opened up like that, it might just uh, mess up a few relationships he was having. So we totally understood, you know, he left the movie. So that's when Ross sort of said to me, we need some more stuff off you. You know, you can't, it can't be just a gig. We need to get a little bit in-depth mm. and uh, up close and personal with you. So I've done two more days of filming walking around where they go in nature and you know and then we just, we just we just said come into a session and show you what we do at sessions you know to, you know we do this all the time we know we get together and sing and play artist music you know so uh so i think it was probably for the best that the other guy pulled out mm-hmm. you know i got I, because uh i became more and uh i got to show how i um I suppose how I, how I medicate myself with uh, natural stuff like walking in nature and um, you know singing uh, artist music and um, so uh, yeah it was it was probably good so but I didn't do much on this movie I don't, like I say I done the shows and then I done two two days of filming with Ross with Ross you know yeah. said a few things talked to him a bit he asked me a few questions I talked and told him a few stories and so he was working on it for it must be like two or three years now you know so I can't take much I can't take much credit you know so yeah uh, man but you know I I can hear the humility in it and I know the facts are that you know you you didn't edit it you didn't shoot it you know you didn't piece it together and create what it is but essentially you were the raw material as were Nadia Packy and Jonathan but you knew Packy and Jonathan before this filming right I did I, I knew the two lads and knew they were massive massive fans and knew they'd been through the ringer knew they'd been to hell and back in their own lives and uh, I just knew that what I do the music gave them a huge lift and 
you know, it, it just was helping them through life, you know. Mm. So I just mentioned, I mentioned them to you straight away. And uh, they turned out to be, you know, two of the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and Nadia then, um, uh, Ross found her. And um, I, I suppose the movie just shows, like, I, I wouldn't have much of an ego, you know. And, and Christy, even before Christy Moore told me about the ego, how it can destroy art, you know. I, 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 I wasn't really big on it anyway, you know. So I think people come to the shows and they don't see the, the, the a big divide, a big barrier between themselves and the, the, the guy on stage. Mm. It's just like I'm, I'm just one of them and I'm just singing along with them and we're all just equals having a big sing song. So I think that makes it easier for people to just let their hair down and just feel like, you know, I'm one of them. And, and let go. Let go, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let go, you know, because... Uh, you know, in other shows, the audience would, wouldn't be allowed. They wouldn't be let sing like that, you know. <laughs> sure. I mean, Christy himself is known for telling people to be quiet yeah, while, yeah, sure, while sure. he sings. And, you know, yeah. the, the line that he gives you that's mentioned early doors in the film is about this idea that music doesn't emanate from the artist, that it comes through you. Mm. Now, some people just don't even know what that means in in many yeah. ways it's just a phrase that you you hear i think it's yeah. even in a dj shadow uh track that i first heard it right. what what does it mean to you and when did you first consciously realize i'm not forcing out a song here i'm just waiting for it to arrive i sort of realize i realize when i sing i'm kind of away with the fairies that's what I, <laughs> how I describe it. <laughs> I'm away somewhere else, you know. I'm gone. Mm. I'm not. You see other artists and they're, they're watching how they look and you know they're trying to be as sexy as they can. And, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's they never close their eyes and just get lost. You know, I, I'm away with the fairies. I'm gone. I'm I'm in a nice place somewhere. Just sort of meditating, really. That's that's that, that's what I do with it when I when I sing. You have to you have to focus to sing. You know. Um, you have to try and stay in time and nearly in key and try and remember the next line of the song so it's uh, it's meditative yeah and it's, uh, it's so it's really good for you you know to, to meditate or to focus is, is really good for humans so when 1500 people do it at the same time it just creates an incredible frequency incredible uh, warmth and empathy in the room and it's uh, it becomes magical it, it, it takes on a magical status and People feel safe and warm and uh, just uh, their arm and arm. Communal singing is proved by scientists to be really good for humans. And that's just a continuation of what I grew up with in houses in Cabaret and my grannies and Ming's End and Kulak and Donamid and neighbours and, and uh, uh, uncles and aunties and, um, you know, just sing songs. And I grew up in these and... Uh, when someone would sing a song and uh, we'd all join in, it's just it's like you took wings, you grew wings and flew, you know, we all flew together. Mm. And it's a magic, magical feeling at these sing songs. So I just try and replicate that and, you know, carry that on at the shows, you know. Well, that's really well captured by Ross. And as you say, we do need to give a big shout out to Ross Colleen because, yeah. you know, essentially capturing that, that idea that the communal care uh, with all of this talk of self-care, but the kind of yeah. communal care involved of singing in harmony together, as you say, yeah. has been proven. There's no there's no real doubt about the therapeutic qualities 
of no. doing that. But I wondered, you know, with that in mind that you've you know spoken about the tough period in your late teens coming out of it through music, uh, that you're writing and constructing songs. Are you in the place of being away with the fairies as you write them? Like, does this does actually singing come first and you allow the voice to guide the writing or is it the way a couple of songwriters on the show have described that it's kind of a running tap of lyrics that are constantly kind of floating through your head and it's mm. a matter of when you shove the cup in to try and catch it yeah um for me it's i'm, I'm sort of in a trance when it happens you know it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it really, it's, it really is like a flow is true. I'm not sort of with it when it happens, when it flows out. When the, when the, when all my, the best of my stuff has come, it sort of just comes when you're in some sort of a... It's just flowing. It's, 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 it's like it's writing itself, you know? Mm. And the songs that you have to spend uh, days and days on, uh, it can be good, but they're never really as good as the ones that just flow, like a, like a waterfall coming out of your mind, you know, out of your soul. Is there one example specifically from your songbook that you can go, yeah, I can remember I had to actually teach that bird to fly and then the one that kind of flew out of the nest without you even knowing it? Uh, let me see now. Hmm. I think all, all, all the um, the ones that are popular sort of flew out of the nest, you know. Well, to be, to, to, to be honest, uh, Christmas Davy was, uh, that, that, that was changed a bit, you know. Mm. It was, um, that had a different chorus and we did work a lot on that one. We did work along a, a lot on that one and that's one of the, the ones, the fans' favourites, you know. That's that's the one where it gets them, hits them right in the heart and, and lets them cry. So so that's an example of a one that I had, to work, I had to work hard on, yeah, I suppose. When I think about, when I think back now, yeah. Would you say all the ones that, that flew immediately, that just, as you say, written in however many minutes and kind of arrived fully formed let's say yeah those are the ones that are most popular do you think that's because the audience and we the listeners have a radar for the sincerity or the purity that like you can kind of tell if what you're drinking has been diluted or tainted or messed with in any way that there's just some sort of radar in all of us to know. Oh, that's that's just his pure truth right there. Maybe so. Yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. Absolutely. That could be yes. That could be why they're all the, the most uh, loved ones. But Chris and Stevie, I uh, I wanted to get a, a real narrative, a real ballad. So sometimes to do that, it's great if you go back to some of the old songs, the old Irish songs, and mm. the, the, it was an, actually an old Scottish song, "The King Shilling." It's called. Mm-hmm. And I was singing that a lot, you know, uh, in bars, and there was, the people were loving it. And I just thought it'd be nice to have now. The, the phrasing of this song is great for a, a real story. It's an epic story, you know. And, and where where the melody is, the way it goes, the structure is uh, it really lends itself to telling a great story, you know. It's the imagery, imagery, and all. So that's I took sort of the phrasing of that song, and then um, I, I I thought let, let's let's do something modern here with this, you know, that's going to hit people really. Between the eyes and the heart, you know, with with, with uh, this phrasing. So that's what I done. I just took the phrasing and kind of wrote the song to that. I find sometimes that when I ask people like yourself about, you know, what do you think people are thinking when they hear your stuff, that it's it's mm. hard for you to even do that because so much yes. of what you do is, well, look, 
uh, like making the movie. So look, I do what I do, yeah. and then what everybody else does with it is up to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, what did I, th- I think it was uh, Barry Moore said to me? Uh, it's none of your business. <laughs> none of your business about people. About people. Like you. It's none of your business. That's a good line. <laughs> it's a great line. More, yeah. more, 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 uh, more uh, nuggets of of gold from the mirrors. <laughs> How much of it though is down to the shyness that you mentioned in the film? Like uh, Brian O'Driscoll was a previous guest who I don't think anybody really knew because of you know, just like yourself. When he's on, he's on. And you would never think there was a young lad there who wouldn't raise his voice in the room. How bad was the shyness when you were young? And what did it lead to? Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Really, really bad shyness, you know. Really bad. Um, I couldn't look anyone in the eye, you know. Or talk to people, really. So, um to get up on stage was a huge, huge challenge, and I used to be nearly getting sick. You know, I'd mm. be sleepless nights before shows, and um, I messed up a lot of performances. So I was that nervous, you know. Um, I was shaking, like physically shaking. When I supported the uh, Christy Moore and the Point Depot, I was going to walk out in front of a, a car, you know, on the way there, just so we could ring him from the hospital, you know, and say, "Christy, yeah, uh, broken leg here, pal. Won't be able to make it, you know." No way. That crossed your mind on the way to the show. Yeah. Now, a slow, uh, small, you know, a slow-moving, very small car. Like <laughs> Fiat Punto. Yeah, Fiat Punto. So I'd probably do more damage to the fucking car. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's crossed me in mind. That's how nervous I was, and I just had to... Jesus Christ, come on. It was torture. Real, real torture. Did you see anyone about it? Because I feel like shyness is is a thing that we don't kind of categorise in in mental health or... Yeah. It's not even a thing that you know, the world recognises. I'm going to get help for my shyness. People yeah. are told us in the same way as we're told to snap out of it in the 80s. The mm. Shyness is just not one that people give much stock to, but it's absolutely debilitating. Ah, definitely. Yeah, really debilitating. But um, I knew once I got up there, whenever I grew up there, even if I, if, if, if I made a mess of the show, I'd still feel... Better about myself because I said, well, you had the fucking balls to get up there. I'm a fair play to you. Mm. And it'd be a relief as well because it was over, it was done, you know. I didn't run away. If I had to run away, I would have. I knew I would have felt worse. Yeah. If I had to just not, not faced it. Um, and I'd be proud of my courage then that I got up and done it, you know. And um, But it was awful. Jesus, it was so bad. I remember like, how bad I'd feel before a show, so terrified. Especially, you know, most of the shows back then were in front of someone else's audience, you know, a big audience. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was just terrifying because when people aren't there to see you, you know, they can be uh, sort of sort of ruthless to the support act, you know, especially if he's, if he's crumbling up there, you know, yourself and, you know, forgetting the lyrics because he's so nervous or missing cards because his hands are shaking. I remember uh, Christy got me up in the depot in the middle of his set to sing a song with him, you know, and then... Um, my fucking right leg was shaking. I thought this was like a leaf, like I was shaking like a leaf, and uh, some some L one. I sort of heard her faintly going, "He's like Elvis. Look at it." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was me looks, you know. Oh, I must think I look like Elvis. That's great. It was me fucking leg that's shaking. That's what it was. But, uh, but it's you know it's 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 ten. It's a hundred times easier now. Thanks be to Jesus. I was thinking, will I always be like this? Is this? Will I always have to go through this? 
there's trauma before I play. Yeah. It's a hundred, hundred times easier now, which is great. You know, I really enjoy it now. It's, it's, it's such a pleasure. So, so you know? the comedian and friend of mine, Rod Gilbert, did, yeah. did a piece for the BBC on this, did a, a show specifically about shyness and its mm. problem in uh, Western culture specifically. And, Brilliant. you know, he mentioned the same thing as you, that once people started to come and see him, and mm. you knew the majority of the audience were wishing you well. Yeah, that, that became a, a turning point. Do you identify the same turning point? Because there's obviously people going to be listening to this demo who are going, how do, how do you get over the shyness? I'm still suffering with it now. I can't get up in front of the, the, the place I work and give a presentation. I wish uh, I remember I, I, I heard uh, Gerald, I heard Johnny Logan talking about um, the Eurovision and how nervous he was. Mm. He said he was taking about three or four volume. <laughs> so I, said, I, I, I didn't know what volume was. I had no idea that you could take, you know, something like that and just would relax you for something, a big, you know, a big high pressure gig or whatever, or te television. And um, mm. sometimes I take a half a Xanax now, you know, and really? that will really, that will really take the edge off and really help me. But it's only for if I'm, if I'm, you know, on a, t a, a TV show, which TV still makes me very nervous and, mm. um, or a big, uh, a, a, a big show with, you know, you know, a, a lot of people there. And, um, uh, sometimes I'll take a little half if I need to. A lot of times I won't. I just go, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, you know, but I wish I had known that back then. But then, you know, I hope you wouldn't become addicted to the fucking things or something, you know? Yeah, there is that fear, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's scary stuff, all of that stuff. And, yeah, you know, I don't know a performer who doesn't have a moment of kind of looking at their gear and going, all of this is shite. What am I doing here? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, but like, I remember Carly Simon is the other like really famous shy person who, you know, used to perform facing the band, wouldn't face the audience at times. Yeah. yeah. And that the turning point for her was the realisation that these aren't nerves. This is excitement because you want to do your best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did That's you have right, anything yeah. like that in your head that you said to yourself that that helped you through it? Like, was there was there ever a kind of a, a mantra or a thought that made you go, no, 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 I, you've got this? I suppose I'd say to myself, just get out there and I'll fucking turn into it, you know? <laughs> Give it everything you've got. Mm. Give it everything you've got, you know? And uh, I think people used to see the passion I'd have then, you know, they'd be shaking the fucking guitar and, and probably all that nervous energy, you know, maybe just, you know, giving it, giving it socks and people react, they react to a passion, you know, you know, and I suppose when people start singing along with the songs as well, that was, you know, then every, every bit of nerve goes, you know. Yeah. To look at you backstage in this film, which I really do recommend people seek out before it goes on demand. Don't say to yourself. I'll see it when it's on Apple TV. I think this is just like Vicar Street. It's a communal experience to be in the theatre and yeah, have much, this much, watch much better, over. Yeah. yeah, much better to see it in the theatre with the big sound system and on the yes, big screen. Yes, yeah, with but other to, people. to see you backstage in the film, the last thing you would think is this man has struggled backstage before getting sick and you know, yes. suffering with the nerves. You, you are obviously praying beforehand yeah. or you have your hands together anyway. 
who do you pray to? What are you saying in those moments? Or is that something that you'll just never reveal to anyone? Uh, I suppose the great spirit. Um, you know, I believe in a, in, a, in, a, in a force out there, you know. That's uh, to do with love. And um, I just give them gratitude for that I can sing and that I have fans who want to hear me sing and, you know, that I can make a living at singing and have this great band with me and, you know, have me, my, my health and family and friends and, you know, anything good in my life, I'm sort of giving thanks for it, you know. Mm. And that I, that, I, that I have uh, that I have albums out and people, the, the, the albums really help people. They really get people through for a hard time so that the music is helping them through life. So I just feel so lucky, you know. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. When I'm praying at the, at the start of a show, I just, I just thanking, just saying thanks to the great spirit for this that I got the chance to, you know, help and heal people and heal myself in the process. Yeah, I obviously talk to Sonia Sullivan every Monday about running, and uh, yeah. you know that's a thing that she goes back to the that the gratitude when people say, "Oh, you've got to feel gratitude," that it's actually, as she puts it, it's it's that feeling that I don't have to go running. It's that I get to go running. I don't yeah. have to do this show. Yeah. It's that I get to do this show that sure. will bring you to a place of oh, appreciating where it is, as tense as it might be. Yeah. Could you bring up there that, you know, the albums and as well documented in this movie that it helps people and your whole response to Ross when he came to you with the idea was, well, let's make a movie that helps people. I spoke a couple of weeks ago to uh, Ashling B, who has been incredibly outspoken about a lot of stuff that's been stigmatized, including suicide. And she obviously knows that it's helped people. She's written series about it and spoken about it a lot, and made people feel less alone. But she receives bags and bags and of actual mail and email from people. And I asked her and I'd ask you the same question if that ever becomes too much that when your your people are coming to you going hey this this happened to me and now i have you and this does it ever feel like sometimes that i can't i'm not able to take all of these sad stories or are you just so focused on how much it does for them like i don't want to answer my own question there because demo it's impossible for you to hear all those stories and not feel more pressure to do more and be more for these people. Ah, no, it's, it's what they what they come to you and tell you these stories. It's like you're doing enough, you know. You're doing enough. Uh, you're helping them with the songs you've written, mm. the songs that came through you. You know, they're, 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 you're helping them through terrible times. You know, so I don't feel any more uh, extra pressure. I just sort of feel. Um, Maybe less pressure because uh, you know it's working. Um, yeah, you know it's working. Yeah, that's it. You know, and if if you if I never wrote another song or helped anyone else, at least I, I have done. Mm. So uh, yeah, less pressure. You know, I don't feel uh, people say you must feel a huge responsibility. I don't. Not really. You know, I'm just I'm just um, singing soul soul songs. You know, singing soul music, and I'll, I'll always do it. You know, as long as I can do it, I'll always do it. So there's no pressure really. It's obviously, uh, you mentioned not ever stopping doing it. Yeah. But you mentioned the time in the film that you had to, that it just wasn't an option. Uh, this is obviously emerges from those two days of extra filming that you mentioned. 
were you open up about this beating that you took from 15 people that oh, yes. resulted in you nearly biting your tongue clean off? It has to be yeah. stitched back on and yes. you're not able to speak or sing for a month. Yeah. What are your memories of that time? Um, I was just thinking I need to start looking after myself a bit better, you know, just uh, staying out of trouble, being more cute, you know, uh, have a gift, you know, uh, have, you know what, have a gift because even at that stage people were reacting to the songs and, you know. Um, well, why did these people beat you up? I was over the past thing, you know, it was the past disagreement, the past argument, you know. Right. So, so uh I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know. Uh, there was a lot of, it's, 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 it's fights and fisticuffs and, you know, vendettas and all going on back then and just around the area, you know. It was, mm. uh, there was no phones or nothing, so I don't know. The, no, nobody died in these fights, but there was a lot of me then used to be like terrible, terrible fights in it all the time, you know. Like, like bloodbaths, like, you know. Mm. But uh, nobody seemed to die until the cocaine came in then people started getting shot dead all the time. But, uh, before that was just a lot of fighting and scrapping them, you know. So I just I just put it just put me on a better path. I just said no more of this now. I don't want any more of this. Um, I'm gonna just look after me hands to play the guitar. Look after me voice, and, you know, and myself, and uh, just throw everything I have into into the music, you know. So that's the first half of my interview with Damien Dempsey. To start with, Love Yourself Today, as I said, is in cinemas uh, from November 5th. Go and see this film. You will not regret it. Just search your local listings to find it or demand that it comes to your cinema wherever you are in the world. To hear the rest of this chat, to hear the second half of my conversation with Damo and to access the previous chat I had with him, a full 90 minute other interview that I did back in episode 76. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and kind of sign up for the premium version of the show. By paying a fiver a month, we're able to continue making the show and you get in return access to hundreds and hundreds of episodes with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived, including Damo. As I say, there's another episode in there about his origin story, his life before everything kind of kicked off for him, how he found music and much, much more. If you're a fan of this documentary, you'll love that chat. There's, of course, two extra episodes of Irishman Abroad a week for premium subscribers, one with Sonia O'Sullivan if you're into the running on a Tuesday and an American politics episode of Irishman in America every single Friday with Marion McKeown. All we ask is that you kick in a fiver or whatever you can afford over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. So come on over and hear the rest of this chat today.